I'm Terry Taylor, and this is the Interior Design Business Academy podcast. As an interior designer, you may be thinking, I love what I do, but I am so overworked and underpaid. Let me tell you, I've been there too. I spent many years learning from my own mistakes and developing proven strategies and systems to make interior design a profitable career while keeping it fun and creative. So now I'm here to help you get paid what you're worth. If you're ready for some straight talk about how design business really works and you're ready to break through old belief systems that are holding you back and shift into beliefs that support your goals and bring lasting success, you are in the right place. We've been talking here at IDBA a lot about purchasing for clients and what happens when they when they just absolutely insist that what they want is at a retail store like like Restoration Hardware or Pottery Barn and any of those guys. We know that that's not the best way we want to get into this job. So the question is, how do you handle it? Well, first of all, we know that when we're selling trade products, that is furniture and fabrics and lighting and rugs and all of those things, at retail, it works out best. And that our profit line happens because we've negotiated good trade pricing with our vendors. You know, in the old way, we used to do a cost plus, you know, like cost plus 25, cost plus 35. But based on that, you know, it always leads to problems because people don't really understand what cost plus means. They actually think it's more expensive than retail when actually it's considerably less. But, you know, they don't do the math. And clients often try to negotiate your little measly 25%, 35%, which isn't enough anyway to run a business. They try to negotiate that down. And that's not helpful. I mean, that makes you crazy as well. So, you know, it even goes so far as sometimes those clients get huffy and decide they don't trust you anymore and want to see all your original invoices to make sure that you haven't been charging them more than they should be charged, which is ridiculous because I know you don't do that. If anything, we've undercharged them. <laughs> but but all of that mess results in the fact that when you sell trade product at retail, it's just far more profitable and you have far fewer problems, right? So what do you do then when your client wants something that that's from Pottery Barn? Right. If you're in a position where you're selling a whole room full, a whole house full, a whole lot of a lot of product at retail, if you want to slip one thing in there that that comes from a retail store where you don't get a discount on it, it's okay. Right. It's okay. You could you could even let her buy that one thing. Okay. But I'd say just one thing. And she could, she could ship it to her house if there's room for it, if you're not in the middle of a remodel or something like that. Or she could ship it. You could give her the address of the receiving warehouse and have it shipped there and have her be in charge of that. Now I have done that before and had somebody who was just thrilled that they got to buy the bar stools from Pottery Barn. Great. If that makes her happy, great. As long as I've got enough bigger piece that it makes sense for my business and that she's happy right? So that that works really well. So there's a bigger problem here. There's a big piece to avoid here, and that is any form of hybrid purchasing, okay? That's not one piece that you let her do and you're running all the rest of it. It's some kind of arrangement that she wants to play, essentially play with the decorator along the way as you're, you know, you're getting through this job um, where where she gets to 
to shop everything that you put out. So you put together a design and then she goes online and she shops it. She goes, what about this? What do you think of this? This one's less expensive. You know, you've all been there. It's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare. All right. And that's that hybrid purchasing thing. You can't do it. It doesn't work. It simply doesn't work. You won't end up with a product that you'd be willing to put your name on. Okay. And quite frankly, if you can't, if you can't purchase, if you can't um, photograph this, okay, and be proud of it, put it on your website or get it published or that sort of thing, don't do it. (laughs) Just, Just don't, don't do it. All right. This hybrid thing just causes all kinds of trouble all kinds of trouble. You know, this is where, you know, she wants to buy some of it. She's, oh, you know, I'd like to buy some of that. You go, yeah, okay, that should be fine. But what it turns into is this backing and forthing and look at this and look at that. It'll take you a hundred times more time <laughs> to, to do it. You know, it, it's just, it's an awful situation and it, it allows her to run your job and you really can't let that happen. Um, when you get out of control, everything spirals down and it just doesn't work. Just doesn't work. Right. So, so don't go there. Right. Don't go there. I'm sure you know lots and lots of, of war stories, designer war stories about clients doing this and shopping you and looking at every little thing. Now, if you don't clearly spell this out and talk about it in the beginning when you're writing your letter of agreement, because before you write your letter of agreement, so you can put the answer in the letter of agreement, you're going to run into trouble. Okay. I see it happen all the time and it's a hard lesson to worm to learn because you want to please the client. You absolutely want to please the client, but to, to your expense, right? To your great, great expense, right? So stay in control and, and figure this out right from the beginning. Now, worse yet is never, ever, ever design something custom and then let them go buy it. Okay. This is a recipe for disaster. This is some, this is awful. Okay. (laughs) This can be awful. I remember a a situation like that where, you know, the designer had a good client. She'd worked with her for a long time. She just really wanted to, she wanted to handle this self and said, you know, designer, you just draw this for me and I'll go to the vendor. Even it was the designer's vendor, you know, his, her cabinet maker that she wanted to go to. Okay. Fine. You can do this. Well, she drew something that was beautiful that, that had all the specifications that it should be there. But when the, cabinet guy came to do his on-site measure and, and define everything, he said to the client, you know, I could make this 10 inches deep. I think that would work pretty well. And she went, okay, fine. Well, that's the, you know, the drawing said 12. He changed it to 10. The designer was not there to say, oh, no, you can't do that. Her books aren't going to fit on the shelf. It's got to be 12 inches. So they built the whole thing, put the whole thing in. The client tries to put her books in the bookcase and then has a screaming fit at the designer. Now, <laughs> It's not the designer's fault, but she's feeling somewhat responsible, tries to negotiate with the vendor, tries to get this person some, some results. But, but what happens is people do not have the wherewithal to do a custom job. Even with a good drawing, they don't know how to answer the questions, right? And it, and it gets screwed up. And to take it even further, we had a designer who designed a kitchen for someone who wanted to take the drawing and then have someone else produce it. All right. Okay. Fine. Charge him enough. Charge him enough that's worthwhile. Okay. We'll draw that kitchen for you. Well, he drew it. Drew it. Got the whole thing in. Got the cabinets in, and then went to a sale, 
and found one of those great big roll farmhouse sinks, you know, the ones that weigh about 500 pounds. You, know, you need three guys to pick it up and you got to overbuild the cabinet to put it in there. I mean, it's a monster. It's really cool looking, but it's a, it's a monster, right? Well, he found one of those on sale and brought it home and then was absolutely on the roof because the cabinet wouldn't accept it. Of course, the sink was too big for the cabinet. Of course, the cabinet wasn't strong enough for it. And he couldn't return it because he bought it on sale. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. And this guy was ballistic at the designer for weeks over this. Is it her fault? No, it isn't at all. However, when somebody's upset at you, they keep on being upset at you and they tell other people that they're upset at you, even though it's not something you did. All right. So this is the illustration. Do not do custom drawings for somebody who wants to go buy it themselves or, or construct it themselves. It's just an absolute nightmare. And you don't need that kind of feedback. You don't need that kind of thing going on behind you because, you know, literally, you know, who are they going to tell and make you the bad guy when you weren't? Okay. So, you know, under all circumstances, avoid, absolutely avoid doing a drawing for something and, and giving it to the client and having them go forward. Same for custom upholstery. I got some nightmare stories about that. It just doesn't work. People don't know what they're doing. And then the decisions that have to be made along the way aren't correct. And then when it comes out, the horrible, not the way they want, then they want to make you the bad guy and throw you under the bus. All right. So that has to be a hard no. You know, this is really, this whole purchasing thing is really about boundaries. It's about realizing that, that pleasing somebody is not as important as keeping them safe from destroying themselves and you along the way. So there's certain things that you have to absolutely say no on. And this is one of them. Absolutely. This is the sort of thing that that you hear in our Q&A calls that we have every week, both growth and structure programs. Um, we do weekly Q&As. We gather and talk about what happened this week and straighten out problems, celebrate wins, all of that sort of thing. But we all learn from other people's wins and other people's challenges, other people's disasters. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you want to help somebody through that disaster because that's not a nice thing to happen to you. But when you listen to what happens when, when somebody makes an error like that in, in judgment, just trying to be nice and then pays such a huge price, you realize, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I heard that. I will never, ever do that. Right. So, you know, this whole purchasing thing is rift with, with boundary challenges that really need to be in place in order to keep you safe because you don't, you don't want to get beat up. Right. So how do you do this? All right. Let's talk about that. In the very beginning of the job, when you're talking about in your very first appointment, this is probably not your discovery call. This is a first paid appointment call where you're talking about your company and how you work. And you really need to do that. I mean, that first appointment, it's not just about looking at the property and get their ideas and where they're going and that sort of thing. It's about telling them how this design process works, how your company works, how you specialize in things, what's really going on. And, and in your how we work part, you need to say clearly and succinctly that we take care of all of the purchasing. Okay. Just say it. Don't dance around it. Don't, don't be afraid of it. Okay. Be bold. Stand up and say, we take care of all the purchasing. Now, if you get some pushback on that, 
you might, you might, maybe 10% of the time, not often, especially among the clients, your ideal clients that you really want. You may get a lot of pushback on that on the clients you don't want, the ones that don't have enough budget to actually make this work. Okay. So, so know that as you're moving into where you want to be, you're going to have to set up some boundaries and say no to these people. So in this how we work, we're going to say, we take care of all the purchasing. And she said, Oh, no, no. I, you know, I, I'd really like to do some of that. I, I, I really like getting on the internet and shopping. <laughs> like, okay. Red flag, red flag. All right. So what you can do with that is to just say, you know, I realized from my years of experience in this that hybrid purchasing doesn't work. It just makes a mess. It makes, it makes it take three times longer to get the job done. And the finished result is not good. It doesn't come out where the way you want it to be. So I want to protect you from that. And quite frankly, either I buy everything or you buy everything. What are the other? Okay. Now that's your offer to them right then and there. And you can say, this is the way it needs to be. Which one do you want? Because I could design for you. I could design for you through retail stores, Crate and Barrel and Pottery Barn and Restoration Hardware and, you know, the litany of other ones that are out there. I'm happy to do that for you, you know, and set it up for you. And then you can buy everything. But, you know, once I finish that design for you and hand it off, it's yours. Okay. It's all yours to do. And I'm not in charge anymore. Okay. Now, if somebody's really into purchasing, they're going to go, yeah, okay, that's what I want to do. Now, this is wise for you. I don't want you to feel like, oh, you're missing something because you don't get to buy from her because it would be an incredibly painful process and you will get beaten over trying to, trying to collect that little bit of money that would have come out of that. It's like, just don't do it. I, you know, if she's an internet shopper and wants to shop and sit in things and do that sort of thing, great. You write a set of specs for her. Okay. Now you got to remember when you write those specifications into that plan in doing that kind of job, it's not about sending her things over and over again till she finds something she wants to buy. It's saying, this is the best choice. Here's your concept. Here's your room. Here's the space plan. Here's all the pieces that go in it. Here's your color scheme. Here's the fabrics. Here's everything. And then what you do with it is up to, up to you, right? You, you, the client, right? You, you've got to just hand it off and not have any emotional attachment to it. Okay. When you can do that, you can be, you can be well paid for the job and let her make a mess of it. Okay. Or do whatever it is she does. It, it, it's fine. Okay. It's fine. But you have to protect yourself from these people who want to shop. <laughs> they want to have that experience and they don't realize what it is that we do from them and how <laughs> how much better it would be if they didn't do that. But you can't educate somebody who hasn't hired you, all right? So right from the beginning, you have to call that, pull, pull that out so that they make a choice, you know, either we're purchasing the way my contract's written or you rewrite the letter of agreement and say, you know, you haven't actually written it yet. Excuse me. You put in the letter of agreement, um, that, that she will be doing all of her own purchasing and you will be providing a specification sheet. So you're very specific about your deliverables there. It's a specification sheet. It's a space plan that shows everything. It's a color scheme. It's perhaps swatches of all the pieces and, and how it all goes together. You're very specific about the deliverable and and you could make that design fee probably a little bit higher than what you do normally for that room, for that kind of space. If you were purchasing, A is that you, B, hey, you don't get the purchasing money. So, all right, there's that. But B is that 
that when you build that spec sheet for her, you've got to really get all of the detail in it. And you know, often when we design, I know in, in my studio, when you design, you, you, you kind of run at 90% and then clean up a lot of those details when you're writing the purchase orders. You can't do this in case, that case because you don't want to hear from her six weeks later going, you know, I can't order the sofa because it doesn't have the cushioning definition or, you know, we don't know what color the stain on the feet is. You, know, you don't want that coming back at you. So you want to make sure that you get absolutely everything on that spec sheet. You get somebody else to look at it, another designer for and say, they could say, whoop, what about that? Did you do this? That sort of thing. Another set of eyes really helps because when you can do that and make that really clean sheet, you can just hand it off, you know? And that's how lots of that, you know, e-design-ish stuff is done, okay? And it's perfectly fine to do it that way. It's just that you do not have any responsibility for purchasing or looking as, is this okay? Or could I use this instead of what you specified? Or that kind of thing. None of it. Okay, zip, nada, nothing, all right? So one or the other, okay? When you give somebody a choice, they're happy because they have a choice, okay? And it may not be the choices you want, but you're not gonna get, the, you're not gonna get a bunch of bounce back off of that. You're gonna get a clean piece out of it. And then you put it in a letter of agreement and you deliver it exactly the way you said, okay? So it's pretty simple. Now, on the other side, on the other side, if you are planning on buying, right, and you've got that in your contract, and this is what we're going to be doing, and what you want to sell is more trade products than anything else, right, because you need your profitability in there, and that's all good, right? You've got that all piece set up, but what do you do when your client is absolutely stuck on this restoration hardware light fixture that you've tried to replace with various other ones that you really feel might be quite better, but she wants that one, all right? You need to give her what she wants, okay? It's just the way it is, okay? But you want to, you want to set up your letter of agreement in a way that you can get paid for supplying that kind of product too, even though the discount they give you is a pittance. Okay. That, that little bit that you, that 10, 20% that they're taking off there isn't enough to run a business on. Okay. You can't run a successful design business on that. You can have little bits and pieces that way. But the way I did it in my studio is I had a purchasing fee of 39% on everything that we bought at retail. And it could be Pottery Barn or it could be Crate and Barrel. It could be Target. I don't care where it came from. I don't care if it came from Ace Hardware or Home Depot or, you know, heaven forbid. But, but any of that stuff, because it's not that the, the, you know, the price that, that the, the retail is higher or what you're charging is higher than what the retail store is. It's that somebody has to order it pick it up, get it to the right place, right? Get that whole, that whole sequence has to happen of getting that piece into the mix of everything else. And that is work that has to be paid for. Okay. It's not the retail price of the, you know, the, the price of the product is the price of the product. That's the price of the thing. What we're talking about is the price of the work of you or your assistant or whoever's doing that of making that happen. Okay. And that has to be there in order to make this work. So, you know, that's a concept that you need to land with is that you and your work is different than the product, okay? And the fact that they can buy the product for for $200 
is really not an issue because the $200 product is still in the store or in the warehouse somewhere, okay? It's not where it needs to be. So, you know, with that in mind, you need to, to get that in there. So all you do is, is put a clause in your letter of agreement. So down in the, in the fine print towards the end where you're talking about purchasing and how you handle that, you're going to, and you're saying that, you know, we, we provide purchasing services at retail and, and should we need to buy something from a retail vendor, um, we will apply a 39% purchasing fee on that. And that's it. As long as it's in that letter of agreement, it's already there. You just run through it quickly, right when you're doing a letter of agreement, right in the beginning when you're telling about how this process works. You set it up, okay? You don't wait until you need to buy something and then say, oh, I need to add 39% to it. Okay, that's not cool. That's not the way to do that. It needs to be in that contract right from the beginning. Now, you may get a question along the line. That invoice comes out and it's the thing that costs $200 at at Home Depot, right? And then it's got a, you know, a, a $60, $70 um, fee attached to it for getting it there and the purchasing fee and, and organizing that. You might get a little pushback on it, but you've already got it in your letter of agreement. They've already agreed to it, okay? They may not remember it. You may have to point it out again. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, they're not going to remember everything in the letter of agreement. Well, you know it really well. They don't know it really well. But it, it gives you that piece to stand on. Say, no, no, this is how we do it. Now, when you're really clear in explaining how all of this works in the beginning, you really will get very little pushback. Very little. Okay. It's the situations where you haven't defined it, where you haven't said this is how it's going to work, where you haven't told the client that she can't shop and send you 10 million websites to look at. You know, it's that's when you get into the trouble. So having these boundaries laid out ahead of time and being really clear about them and, and having boundaries isn't mean or or bad customer service or anything like that. It's simply saying this is how it works. People appreciate knowing this is how it works because, you know, they're often, we're often accused of not being transparent. And the transparency issue is not about how much you paid for something and how much you're making. The transparency is uh, issue is about how all this works and what's going to happen and what happens next and, and what are you doing and <laughs> that sort of thing. When you're able to lay that out right from the get-go and be really clear about it, you have very little product problems or people bouncing back at you at this stuff. It really, it really works quite easily. So there's some good rules because we're good rules and boundaries for you to, to run by and, and establish right from the beginning so that your jobs run better. And, you know, rule, rule, big rule number one, do not allow hybrid purchasing. Okay. It doesn't work. And you can tell the client straight out, it doesn't work. If she insists on it, it's not your client. Okay. Walk away. All right. That's, that's bigger than a red flag. That's a red tent. <laughs> <laughs> it's a red airplane. It's coming at you. Just don't, just don't do it. Okay. You'll be amazed that when you start holding these boundaries and telling people how things work, how they will align themselves with you and stop doing that. Okay. 
So if you like this kind of information, um, this kind of sharing of, of the details of design business and how it works and what the strategies are for for working your way through these <laughs> these tricky situations that we get into, you might want to consider joining us, finding out if our growth or structure programs are a fit for you. All you need to do is go to interiordesignbusinessacademy.com and look for the button that says sign up for a clarity call. <laughs> Click there, you'll set up with the registration. It'll take you through a process. We want to know more about you. We'll ask you for an assessment about where you are in your business. We want to do all that stuff ahead of time so that when we talk to you, we can do something really useful for you, that we can really help you move forward and not spend our time trying to figure out who you are and where you're at, but, but what do you need going forward? And, you know, if this, if, if we are a fit or not, maybe we are, maybe we aren't. We, we are never, arm twisters or sellers. We don't sell. We just let you know what's here. If it makes sense, um, we'd love to have you. So until then, design something beautiful and get paid what you're worth. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Interior Design Business Podcast. If you love what you're learning, head over to interiordesignbusinessacademy.com and book a clarity call. This is the perfect way to chat with one of our coaches about where you are in your business and what your next best step needs to be to make your design business profitable and enjoyable. As always, you can head over to interiordesignbusinessacademy.com to check out the links and resources from this episode. So until next week, design something beautiful and get paid what you're worth. <laughs>